Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I do at least monthly here in two different forms. First of all, it is available in a video visual form here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. Alternatively, it is also available in a audio-only form, so you can take it around and listen to it audio-only like you would any other podcast. Simply look up ModChat, all one word, on your favorite podcasting app, host, provider, or platform, and you should hopefully be able to find it. I know it's not available on all of them, but it's available on most of them. Either way, this is a podcast where I come on here at least once a month, and I talk about different things in the world of video game modding, console modding, just in terms of news updates or developments or things that I find interesting for the most part, talk about them, share them with you. It's not necessarily a news show, although some people do treat it as such. Some of the stuff we do get to a little later, which is why I don't really call it news. However, we do like to have some fun around here and just talk about a few interesting things. Either way, for this month's episode, I don't have too many topics to cover. However, I do have a bit of an array I guess we can go over here, so let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Getting right into it here in regards to PlayStation 3 news, we end up getting a new custom firmware in, I guess, more ways than one. Uh, this is actually an update to the EvoNAT custom firmware in the form of 4.89.3 this time around, so we're on the third revision of it. It not only has the latest Cobra 8.4 baked into it, but this is also the, as it says here, the official debut of PEX, which is a new PlayStation 3 custom firmware type. So I've got this article here with the release and such over from PSX Place written by STL Cards WS and states here, developer Evonat has released the much anticipated update to his PS3 custom firmware with the release of 4.89.3 Evonat custom firmware. This update comes with a variety of pup to choose from and as well we have been detailing over the past several months, there are a lot of new features in this custom firmware release from developer Evonat. This firmware brings back a lost relic of the scene that was stopped at firmware 4.84, and I am speaking of Rebug Rex, the original hybrid of Kex retail firmware and DEX debug firmware. With no DEX firmware available to the public past 4.84, there was a problem. Developers knew how to create a Rex style firmware. They have just been missing the DEX portion since 4.84. And for anybody who might be wondering there, just kind of interjecting in this, this is why we haven't seen a full rebug custom firmware since 4.84 so i believe i don't remember if there was a 4.85 but i think 4.86 was the last one and that was a rebug light because rebug lights are really just they only contain the retail side of it so you can't do all of the debug or developer versions of what you can do you also can't convert over on that firmware continuing on here well developer evonat decided he would try and bring 4.84 decks to 4.89 by porting the firmware, and after some trials and errors, the developer was able to achieve that goal, and now we have EvoNAT PEX and DPEX custom firmware, which is like a hybrid 
Rebug Rex. The dev has also added many new features and menu listing to the XMB, making it a very powerful XMB on custom firmware, and maybe even more functional than ever before with new improvements to the XAI plugin in this update. The developer was taking many requests from users and developers here in the PSX Place forums as well as on Twitter. The result became a lot of new options and functionality for a user-friendly experience and also contains some advanced features that should appeal to many custom firmware users. There is a lot to dive into with this epic PS3 custom firmware release. Below is just a small overview of the release. So some explanations here from Evonat. It states after long of months of work, research, and effort, and nights sleeping little, finally I can release it, here it is. Make sure you read all tabs to learn everything about my custom firmware. There's a lot of information that you should know. A quick overview in case someone does not know what to install. PEX and KEX is for custom firmware compatible KEX PlayStation 3. So this would be for if you just have a standard retail PlayStation 3 on the retail firmware, you'd install the PEX version. Then DPEX and DEX is for custom firmware compatible DEX PS3. So again, this is what you would install if let's say you have a retail PlayStation 3 that you converted over to a DEX custom firmware, like you installed DREX 4.84 on there, and then you would upgrade to the DPEX firmware. KEX and DEX are standard custom firmwares like my 4.89.2, Rebug Lite, etc. PEX and DPEX, <laughs> hard to say there. PEX and DPEX are like Rex and DREX. Thanks so much to everyone who've helped me. Just looking here, there's quite a few variants available here. So you can see all of the PEX releases. So this is installing on a retail PS3 console. DPEX releases installing on a debug PS3 console or a converted DEX console. The KEX releases, so just retail console releases and DEX installing on a DEX PS3 console or converted DEX console. All right, so here each of them it looks like has five releases and it looks like we have the standard release, uh, a release for no BD, so if you have a broken Blu-ray drive or no Blu-ray drive, uh, another one for no BT, so same thing if you have a broken Bluetooth board, uh, no Blu-ray and no Bluetooth, and of course, just one, this one is for standard here, but this is a overclocked revision. So quite literally 20 versions of this custom firmware is now out. Uh, also, we can see this XAI plugin or Xi plugin feature here from some of the screenshots. So it looks like here we have a few options where we're able to check and enable a 8th SPE here, enable other OS, check the target ID. But here, this is something right here we're looking at, which we haven't been able to do since 4.84, which is convert between KEX and DEX systems. So it even says converts PS3 to KEX DEX with EID root key from dev USB or dev hard drive zero. This, of course, I talked about the 8th SPE here, so you're now able to toggle that to enable or disable it. Uh, you can dump the NOR or NAND flash over to the hard drive or USB just straight from the uh, cross-media bar here, which is super awesome to see. I did talk about this earlier, enabling other OS. Uh, checking the target ID, so checks the current target ID from EID0 and EID5 
we can just see these right there. To me, this is reading as this is running a debug firmware, but this is on retail hardware. So cool to see. Uh, enable FTP, disable FTP, of course, and you have plenty of other stuff. This is actually all within Cobra itself. So you can see the Cobra information, your syscalls, uh, restoring syscalls, disabling them, all that fun stuff here. It looks like here you can check your GPU and RAM clock speeds. And here you could also enable and disable plugins. So this is all real cool to see. I'd also like to quote his final words here and state, I hope that the custom firmware is working fine and without issues for everyone. But if you see any issue, please let me know in my Twitter and I'll try to fix it as soon as possible. And of course, his Twitter is xxevilnatxx. Cobra 8.3 and Xi plugin source code can be found in my GitHub repository. So awesome to see right there. Very cool. Now, this is a project I kind of just stumbled upon here. Like it came up on my timeline and I just thought this was really interesting to see. I do like to highlight uh, decompilation projects like this on games. And this is one from Zenimo. I believe that's how I say that name. I'm trying my best there. You know how it is with usernames. But this is a Castlevania Symphony of the Night decompilation project. So just looking at this here now to stay, it's not in a finished state. As you can see, this is the progress of everything. But just reading this on the GitHub repository, a work in progress decompilation of Symphony of the Night for PlayStation 1. It aims to recreate the source code from the existing binaries using static and or dynamic analysis. The code compiles byte for byte to the same binaries of the game, effectively being a matching decompilation. Currently, it only supports the US version of the game. This repo does not include any assets or assembly code necessary for compiling the binaries. A prior copy of the game is required to extract the required assets, which makes sense right here. So I like this as well too, where it just has, you know, the bins decompilation process. So you're able to see each file name, what it does, like for example, the game engine, playable Richter, the entrance, the title screen, warp room, all of that. And it shows the progress we're seeing so far with at the time I'm recording this it looks like the bat familiar is farthest along at 64.8%. It also does describe the game internals here, saying the game is divided into three modules. Uh, SLUS 000.67, the main executable. It contains all the hardware API, example, gamepad, CD, memory card, GPU renderer of the PlayStation 1 console. It does not contain any game logic. DRA is the game engine. It contains the business logic, example, game loop, API to draw maps, entities, load levels, handle entities, at animations and collisions, and some data such as ELO cards, sprites, or the loading save rooms. And ST is the overlays for each area. An area, examples being Castle's Entrance, Alchemy Laboratory, etc., contains all the unique logic to handle map-specific events, cutscenes, enemy AI, collisions, and more. It also contains the rooms and entities layout. Each overlay can be considered as its own minigame. The title screen cell.bin is an example of how a stage overlay can act very differently. Even if different overlays are loaded at the same time in memory, like draw and stages, they never communicate each other directly. Instead, they share the same memory area where SOUS 000.67 is located. Each overlay exposes their API as function pointers in the shared memory area, effectively allowing overlays to communicate without directly coupling them. One prime example is Struct Game API, which exposes draw APIs to the stages and stage APIs to draw. 
all the shared area is defined within game.h. There's some extra information here, like setting up this project, building this, starting the decompilation, and all this here. It looks like there's some to do, as well as just saying here, uh, the project is very bare bone at the moment, and there is a massive room of improvement, mostly in the infrastructure. Not all the zone overlays are disassembled. Integrate ASPSX instead of new AS and split binary data, example, map, layout, graphics, other assets into individual files. So just real cool to see. Overall, I love seeing progress on decompilation projects like this, and I do know that uh, Symphony of the Night is a much beloved game. I'll, I'll be honest, I actually, it was kind of a hard thing for me to realize I'm not super into the side-scrolling Castlevania games, but I do have respect for Symphony of the Night, so real cool to see. You might want to keep an eye on this. We also saw this release kind of pop up out of nowhere. This is for the Xbox, so not the original, but we're talking about the Xbox One, and mainly this would be best for the Xbox series consoles, but Sir Mangler ended up porting Xenia over to UWP, which is the uh, Universal Windows platform. That's the platform that you need to really run Homebrew on the Xbox One and the Xbox Series consoles. Uh, so this has gotten a few updates here, and just kind of looking at this overall, the Xenia Xbox 360 emulator, it's stating this is an experimental emulator for the Xbox 360, and this is something that has been known for a bit in terms of really just the Xenia emulator existing. From what I understand, it's a pretty awesome emulator later here. Uh, however, just looking at the releases page, let's check this out. It looks like as of recording right now, uh, this was the big update that came out because there was an initial one. There was 1.00. This was the big one here, but we have a 1.01 right now. And this one's big because this ended up being Xenia Canary, which ended up being much, much better than the initial release of Xenia, just in terms of compatibility, speed, all of that fun stuff. So some people might be looking at this and wondering, because I this just, I wasn't expecting this at all, honestly, but some people might be wondering, okay, well, there's backwards compatibility on the Xbox One and Xbox Series. Why would you want an Xbox 360 emulator on the Xbox Series and Xbox One consoles, even though there's already officially one there. Well, first of all, the big thing is just experimentation on this, and secondly, uh, you don't have to adhere to any sort of whitelist. So if there's specific games you want to play that aren't available, you can hopefully play them. Even if there's specific builds, you can play those as well too. I know one popular game I've seen people booting up on here has been uh, the XBLA version of GoldenEye 007. That's not available officially, but you know what? People have been able to play it through Xenia Canary on here. So overall, just really cool to see another emulator on here. It was just very shocking to me to see here. Now here's something that I also wasn't expecting, but I saw kind of pop out of the blue and see here recently. Uh, this is from Felix, and they are the developer, or I guess one of the developers, that the main person here behind the 3DO ODE. And by that I mean I'm talking about like the 3DO console. There is an optical drive emulator for it, uh, developed by this person. But they're saying here, as of today, the new IDE emulator firmware supports custom PS2, PSX, DVR, hard drive, command set emulation. You can finally recover full functionality of your dead PSX pre-orders. So uh, there's a few things I want to unpack here. First of all, let's actually look at the site here. This is their shop where they have the 3DO ODE available, and the thing that we're looking at, here we go, is the IDE emulator. Now this, as it says, is, well, not only it's, you know, kind of pricey, it is $319. I'll even 
zoom in on this a little bit. There we go. Uh, it's $319 US, uh, but this here is a emulator for IDE devices. Just reading the description here, internal IDE PETA device emulator, fully configurable high-speed device emulator for 8 and 16-bit IDE PETA bus, populated with 40-pin male and 44-pin male headers. Uh, the initial set of features, so it's based on FPGA, can reach up to UDMA 6 speeds, 8 and 16-bit supported, supports installation with other devices as either master-slave or cable select, allows multi-device emulation, CD-DVD emulation, DVD-RAM emulation, zip disk emulation, super disk emulation, hard drive emulation. Here's the new one, supports PSX DVR hard drive emulation, High-speed microSD interface, optional LCD OLED display with rotary encoder, and an optional Wi-Fi module. I don't have any photo of it on here, unfortunately, but I've seen some developments behind this. And when I'm talking about the PSX, I'm not talking about the original PlayStation or the PS1 like we think of. I'm talking about quite literally the PSX right here, which just going off of Wikipedia, it even says this, this is a digital video recorder. And just stating here, the PSX or PlayStation is a Sony digital video recorder with a fully integrated PlayStation 2 home video game console. It was released in Japan on December 13th, 2003. Since it was designed to be a general purpose consumer video device, it was marketed by the main Sony Corporation instead of Sony Computer Entertainment and does not carry the usual PlayStation branding. So as you can see right here, there might be some people who've never seen this before, but it is a big chonker DVR device right here, but it also has a PlayStation 2 literally baked into it. Going back to this all on Twitter here, this is really cool to see because the PSX, the big downside to it has been uh, it's not the most reliable machine, unfortunately. From what I understand, the lasers go out on them pretty easily, and if it's not the lasers, it's the hard drives, and those hard drives are also encrypted and to date so far there hasn't been any way to properly decrypt them. So it's kind of one of those devices where unfortunately, if you have a PSX and the hard drive dies on there, you have a bricked unit. That's just unfortunate that's how it's been so just looking at some of the replies on here modsville usa shout out to him friend of the show here end up asking will it need to be installed permanently in a psx or can it be used as a tool to set up a new hard drive felix says this is made to replace the hard drive so it, it sounds like yeah this would not be i guess you wouldn't just be able to use this across different systems it's something you install like per system on there co here also asked uh can i can use your gizmo to revive psx with dead hard drive even though encryption is present on original drive is this correct felix had said correct shout out mvg here another friend of the show here he said incredible work any write-up coming on how this is done felix replied saying that there'll be a write-up after the release so that's cool to see uh, there was even extra information here from retro bb asking would it work on the original xbox and felix said yes and you can set it to ignore and dump the password so really cool to see on here overall uh now unfortunately this is a pretty expensive product from what i'm seeing on here again 320 dollars. so if someone's going to be getting this for their psx they're really going to have to have a giant need and affinity towards the psx uh, but so far this has been the only solution i've seen to date where 
you can use this on a PSX with a dead hard drive. Like, super awesome to see. Now, several episodes ago, in an older episode of Mod Chat, I had talked about uh, some possible news of, like, the possibility of using a mod chip for, or really developing a mod chip for uh, later revisions of the PlayStation 3. So really, it would be PlayStation 3s that cannot take a full custom firmware like we think. Really, I'm talking about uh, PlayStation 3s that have a minimum version version of 3.60 firmware or higher. So those ones, you know, you can't use something like BG Toolset or you can't use an E3 flasher to downgrade it to firmware 3.55 or you can't use the PS3 flash rider. Uh, even if you use any of those tools on one of those systems, like if you patch the system, uh, you would actually brick it, unfortunately, just because it can't handle that low of a firmware version. So for those systems, that's why solutions like HAN and PS3 HIN have been super valuable, super awesome to see. Uh, however, there's a little bit of a unfortunate update on this and this is from Zeko Shao where he said here some progress or therefore end of the official story of the never-ending 3000 so we're talking about the PS3 3000 model uh, level 0 loader.2 saga Gestero decided to check one of the versions above 3.56, so they were checking firmware 4.78, to check for the mythical time of check, time of use bug. It doesn't exist. He then checked 3.66 and 3.60. It doesn't exist in either. So a custom firmware for the 30,000 or a level 0 loader.2 dump will likely never exist. PS 3.56 is vulnerable, but that is useless for us. I, I would hazard to say here he's saying that's useless just because... Uh, the systems that can't take custom firmware, like they physically can't take it on there, have a minimum version of at minimum 3.60. So even if the bug is vulnerable in 3.56, uh, then it's not going to work on that system, unfortunately. Now, Zeko Shao over on his Code Execute channel made about a, what is it, an 11 and a half minute video talking through this all as well. He did a really awesome job explaining it, so that's even how I was able to get, you know, some of the definitions and such on here. Um, unfortunately, you know, he ended up saying just in longer form, kind of gave some history of it and was really saying that this bug that we were dependent on, um, it's been checked and just on higher firmwares, it's unfortunate not there. So just kind of restating what was said over on Twitter. However, he did say something near the end of the video in which he was saying essentially, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but you know, this bug doesn't exist. Maybe there might be another bug on there that exists. Um, however, he was also not discounting glitching being an option as a potential vector in the future. Uh, because as he said, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it here, he said, when you can't get an error, you can just induce an error, which I'm referencing glitching right there doing that. So, I mean, I, I, I love that saying right there. That's that that makes sense to me. Uh, but yeah, just some unfortunate news and kind of an update on there. I know a few people have asked, hey, what has been news or is there any update of PS3 custom firmware on later revisions of the PlayStation 3? 
Unfortunately, this is the update here. It's probably not the update most people wanted, but it is an update. Now, I know that topic was a little bit of a bummer, unfortunately. However, uh, what I like to do here, I like to try and finish out these episodes with something I've seen that is neat, cool, interesting, whatever it might be in the world of modding. Uh, and I thought this was pretty cool to see. So this is from Red Herring 32 and this is a OpenTendo top loader. Uh, for anybody who does not know here, this here is an open source hardware recreation of the 1993 top loading Nintendo motherboard, also known as the NES 101. So the OpenTendo project has been around for a bit now I've seen at this point, and OpenTendo is really just the same thing just for the regular original Nintendo console like the Nintendo Entertainment System, which is an open source hardware recreation of that. But this one just came out here, it seems, which is for the top loader. Now, let's just kind of read through this here. A note on RGB and HDMI. Neither RGB nor HDMI video input were or are a goal of the OpenTendo project. The goal was, is documentation and preservation, and the project was an exercise in reverse engineering. As such, improved video outputs will not be added to the OpenTendo top loader. And that's actually something to think on as well, too. I, I don't believe... Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, actually this makes sense because even the original Nintendo, I was going to say, didn't have a RGB output and, of course, not HDMI on there. But they do continue saying NES RGB and high-def NES can be installed as normal, but will not be incorporated into the OpenTendo top loader PCB, which makes sense. Now, for the repository structure, it contains the board files as well as the component footprints. Uh, the files required to order PCBs can be found under releases. Now, we got some recommended PCB specs on screen here, and this is how it looks. So, really, this is how it goes. As you can see here, uh, the shell itself, that is from a original Nintendo top loader, it looks like. Uh, however, the actual, what you're seeing here, the blue board, where it even says Red Herring 32, and O-N, yeah, O-N-E-S-N, CPU-01, as well as the open source symbol right there. Uh, this is showing that that is a brand new board that has been fabricated and manufactured for this. Of course, you'd have to solder all the components on and such on here. And, uh, you know, if there's any new components that you can plop on, you can certainly do that. Otherwise, in theory, you should also be able to, let's say, for whatever reason your board is bad on your original top loader Nintendo, you can remove every single component from that original Nintendo top loader board, install them onto an OpenTendo top loader board, and it should work as long as the install has been done properly and everything has been fabricated properly. So, super cool to see. Even some extra notes here, the design is one-to-one -one with the OEM board. Everything is exactly as it was on the OEM board, with hopefully no exceptions. This project does not include improvements, which makes sense here. Since this project is open source, you may do with it as you like. Whether that is to make boards for personal use, sell replacement NES boards, or to use the provided info for further custom PCB work designs. Note. At this point in time, any and all motherboards will require the use of an original CPU-1 and PPU-2 to function. So that makes sense. You are going to have to pull those from a uh, 
hopefully busted top loader, like something that is just foobar at that point. These are the only two chips that are custom and have no direct replacement. The rest can be replaced with modern and or easily available parts. Very cool to see. Now they are stating that there is an aftermarket CPU that is available. However, they are known to have different sounding audio due to swapped duty cycles, and they're not 100% identical as a substitute. There's also an aftermarket PPU that can be used, and they say it's available on AliExpress. Uh, however, it is unknown whether or not it's compatible with all NES games. So just something here that is super cool to see overall. Love to see projects like this. So there we go. That is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all got to be entertained and maybe even learn something along the way as well too. Now typically if you make it to the end of these episodes, what I like to do is I like to pick a keyword or a key phrase that people can use so they would be able to really use this in a comment on the YouTube upload so I'll know that you've made it to the end. And if you're listening to the audio only version of this, don't worry, you can come over to the upload and you can leave this keyword or key phrase here in a comment on the video version of this. Now, typically I usually pick some that's kind of on my desk and this time it's no exception. So I end up grabbing my lens cover right here. And uh, for this, let's go ahead and use the word cover. Are you trying to cover up anything? No, you don't have to reveal that. But uh, what type of covers do you use in your bed? Do you yourself have a lens cover? I know some people are missing them, unfortunately, for their cameras. If you use the word cover, in your comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, a like would absolutely be appreciated. If you didn't like it, a dislike is fine as well, too. But again, as I always say, thank you very much for listening and watching. Until next time.